0: Well hello once again and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Voorst and I'm your host for the show. I'm also one of the pastors at Life Church and I'm grateful that you're joining us today to listen to another sermon. This is a brand new series that we're starting called Sticking to the Gospel, which is kind of an interesting phrase, and you'll hear a little bit more about that as we unpack this series. And so you're gonna to wanna to stick around for this and download all the sermons and I would let you know. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. That way you're able to get those updates. And then share this if you think this content has been meaningful to you. I've said that a million times, but I'll keep on saying it. Uh, it's important to share things that impact us. Also, I want to invite you to consider giving to Life Church. Um, I don't know where you're at uh, with your job, with your finances, because of COVID, um, if you're part of a church community, or, or what is going on. But... I do want to ask you to consider uh, giving to Life Church and making an impact uh, in the kingdom of God, really. And uh, and so, thank you for doing that. There's information in the show page for how you can do that. Uh, but for now, without further ado, enjoy this sermon from Pastor Nathan on sticking to the gospel.
1: Well welcome, my name is Nathan and I'm one of the pastors here in I feel like we've come into the presence of God and if you're just joining us right now I am glad that you are here. In fact, if you're new or maybe it's your second time here, could you just let us know by saying I'm here or this is my second time or filling out a connect card so we can journey with you. It's so important. What you may not know as well is that we have a podcast, a podcast that has all kinds of things including an entire series an entire summer of a an incredible series that we finished last week that you can get. But also Table Talk Thursdays. Every Thursday we answer the questions that people submit, which is pretty amazing. And we get to have this dialogue together. Something we started at the beginning of this year and continue on. That's also on the podcast or you check it out at noon and Facebook Live. It's a great opportunity. We're in a brand new series, but before we get into that, um, I just want to talk about one thing that drives me absolutely bonkers. From a very little kid to now, I have hated when people leave gum out On the street, you know what i 'm talking about, or out anywhere on asphalt or anything, do you know what i 'm talking about, especially since I got brand new shoes on today, I have like an eagle eye out for someone who has chewed gum, thrown it on the ground because i don 't want to step on it now in the winter, usually not a problem because it 's cold but in the summer right now with gum cooking on black asphalt, it turns into this gooey mess that when you step on and you pull up, you immediately know you're in trouble. It's like the strands of gum and somebody else's saliva. It's just nasty. You know what I'm talking about? And you'd like, if you walk a couple steps, you feel it and you just can't get away from it. It's almost like you're, you're almost like, what is on? You never see those dogs who have those little booties on out and, and they walk like this. It's like that. You Something is wrong. And then it picks up everything and gets nasty. Maybe it's just you, but for me as a shoe enthusiast, I hate stepping on gum. It's sticky and I just don't like it. It's kind of nasty. Well, when I saw this graphic that we had for this series sticking to the gospel and it looked like those like, strands of gum in between, man, it had a visceral reaction to it. Like I couldn't stop looking at it. And we're talking about sticking to the gospel. I have a question for you before we get started and just feel free to put it in the comments or think in your mind if you're listening to this on the podcast or later in the week. What is the gospel to you? Well, we could say what does sticking to the gospel mean to you, but let's just make it simpler. What's the gospel to you? What does that word even mean? Well, I want us to stick to the gospel, not in a negative way, but as Christians, we should stick to the gospel Is something that we can't escape. Not nasty, sticky gum, but a, a great, sticky gospel. And I want you to kind of feel that for a little bit, that, that feeling. We need the gospel to stick to us. Today, I want the gospel through this series, but right now, to go from something that you know to something that you experience every single day. Like you just can't get it off the bottom of your shoes. I want the truth to adhere to your soul today. All right. So maybe you have time to say what the gospel means to you. Let me talk about what a gospel is. A gospel is good news. That's what it means, good news. It's a truth that changes everything. So a gospel is a truth that is good news, and it means something, and it can change everything. It's absolute. It's constant. It will not be rewritten. It will not change. It is reality. Man, I could use some good news right now. How about you? Because all I'm getting is bad news. Every time, uh, Blesser Governor Whitmer comes on there, it's bad news. At least that's the way it seems. Like, it's difficult. It doesn't feel good. They're like, did you hear what happened? And you're not thinking good things. Man, you're thinking bad things. Like, I've had enough bad news. I think I need to go on the social media fast for a little bit. Could you use some good news? I hope so. Because this gospel, our gospel, the thing that we got to stick to is that Jesus, He sacrificed everything to rescue you, and that is very, very good news. See, God had a plan from the very beginning. We're actually going to end on a a passage from the very beginning. He had a plan from the very beginning to save everyone. Through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and he paid for all of our sins, securing freedom for you, for everyone. And because of that event, everyone has an offer to experience this forgiveness by faith. This is what the gospel is. Romans 3:25 through26 says it this way. And Romans 3 is a great place. You should uh, spend time in it. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit today, but really Romans 3 is a great place to spend some time in the Word this week. He says this, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. God presented Christ. It was a sacrifice to rescue you, and you have to receive that this event happened, that this plan happened by faith. And when this happens, we are like, we're forgiven, and we stop at forgiveness. We stop at forgiveness. For many people, we've stopped with the gospel beyond the fact that we have received something to live without shame, to escape hell. It's very good things. It's my family and my life would be better if I could live as someone who doesn't have the shame of sin. Like, that's true. To walk around without any shame feels really, really good. And when we look at the gospel, we think of those things to think about going to heaven, to not have a sick body anymore, not to have to suffer death anymore. These are incredible things. Another way to say it is when we look at the gospel, we think about escaping hell and living well. Escaping hell and living well. But we were forgiven from one more thing, so that we could be brought back to God. Some of us want heaven but don't really want to spend much time with God. Well, 1 Peter says this way, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. See, we sometimes stop and forget that the whole purpose of all of this was to have relationship with God again. That's the true good news. Now, we just got done with Ephesians. It was awesome. A letter about truth. We spent 12 weeks and one book of the Bible, and I felt every time that I didn't have enough time to get through it. It was so good. But do you know that in this letter to the Ephesian church that the church is mentioned again? Actually, it's mentioned in Revelation. In Revelation, John has a vision, and he hears about a message to that same church that we just talked about, and I want to share it with you. The very end, Revelations 2 1a, and then 4 and 5. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. God is saying, hey, write this to the church of Ephesus. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, which means remove your presence. So, all of a sudden, we see this warning to the church in Ephesus, the one who got that amazing letter written to them. They did some good things, but they forgot the point. They forgot their first love. We have a problem, the church. We do. We have a problem. We've stopped spreading, sharing, striving with, sitting with the good news. It isn't sticky to us anymore. It's something that we can easily ignore. It's left our minds. It's left our daily thoughts. We, like the church in Ephesus, have forgotten our first love, Jesus Christ. That love, that experience, we've forgotten it. It's become mundane I and mean, if you've been married for any length of time, maybe for like over 10 years, it's really easy to forget that feeling of that pursuit as a man, that pursuit early where you're just so excited to be around them, and all of a sudden it can become familiar and mundane, and we forgot our first love. And we do the same thing with God, getting too concerned with living well and escaping hell, and forgot that it was for being in love with God. We have a problem Listen, the news, the good news of the gospel should wreck us every single day. The truth of what has happened to us had just bring us to our knees in worship. And unfortunately, Ephesians like us, they strayed. I want you to experience the gospel every single day in a way where it wrecks you, where it messes you up, because it's beautiful, so we're going to spend this entire series unpacking every single piece we can of the gospel. And today we're going to hit a small part of it. We're going to talk about from and to and for and spreading and, 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 and doing and loving and celebrating the gospel. This is an overview. This is the reason why, but I'm not sure you're convinced yet of why the sticky gospel, and why we need to talk about it. There's three reasons why the gospel isn't sticky anymore. It's not stuck on us. It's something that we can leave aside. The first is that we have strayed away from the truth of what the gospel is. We've strayed away from the truth. It's no mistake that last week Pastor Daniel encouraged us to put on the belt of truth. I love the imagery. He says that's where you put your Defense and your offense comes from. It keeps your tunic from flapping in the wind. At least that's how I heard it. But this truth anchors us to reality, the truth of Christ and His Word, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. That's the gospel. But we've started to adopt false good news that aren't really good news at all. What do I mean? Well, biblical literacy is at an all-time low, according to studies. We have more access to the Scriptures and tools than any time in history in our pocket. What we have in our pocket is what the greatest scholars we've had in the past would have died for, and some actually did die for. We have more access to them than any time in history, and yet we have the least engagement with the Word of God than ever before. Barna has found that American Christians, because of this, are less inclined to believe that Satan is real. There's a reason why Pastor Daniel preached what he did last week, because Christians, not people, Christians, are less inclined to believe. Well, actually, they're much less likely to believe that the Bible is accurate in all it teaches. Let that sink in for a moment. Maybe that's you, but it gets worse. And this one's probably the most damning, and that's the right word for it. They're much less likely to believe that God is omnipotent and omniscient. They're less likely to believe that He's omnipotent and omniscient. What does that mean? They don't believe He's all-powerful. They don't believe that He's all-knowing. If God is not all-powerful, And all knowing, our gospel is nothing. Our good news is nothing. If God isn't perfect, what do we need him for? When the gospel loses its teeth, then it is a waste of time. Even the people in the Bible say that. They say, like, if this isn't real, I have wasted my life. And as truth dissolves, it's almost like it's dissolving the gum, and becomes less and less sticky, because who really needs us? Well, God is calling us to repent, to go back to the belt of truth and put it on. We've strayed from the truth. That's the first problem. Second problem, we've stopped sharing the gospel. Again, I'm just going to go from studies. This is not something that I'm just intuiting, although I believe it is true, and I'm not surprised whatsoever. But Barna states this, Christians today are less likely to believe they have any responsibility to share their faith, any responsibility to speak about the benefits of following Christ, any responsibility to be able to tell their testimony, quote Scripture, or call someone else to defend their faith. Question for you. When's the last time you shared the gospel, the good news, or have you shared the gospel this month? Because Christians today are less likely to believe they have to. In fact, only 64% of Christians believe they have a responsibility to share their faith. 64%. That means that 46% believe they don't have a responsibility to share their faith. That, that's, that's only half. That doesn't really seem super sticky to me. Got that number wrong. It should be 36 I can do math sometimes in my head. Look, they we're not done yet. The connection to straying from the truth and not sharing the gospel starts to come in play. These two problems, they compound each other because 70% of millennial Christians, my generations, people a little bit older than me and just a little bit younger than me, believe that the best thing that could happen to someone is knowing Jesus. And you're like, great, 70% of people believe that the best thing that could happen to someone is knowing Jesus Christ. That's like a C, right? Like that's passing, that's not bad. I mean, maybe on that same survey, there was an option to have dinner with Beyonce and Jay-Z, and that's why it's only 70%. But if he is the only thing, if he is everything, if there's no salvation, future, or life well now without him, why is it only 70%? It should be 100%. But this one, this one hurts my heart most of all. Those same people, Christian millennials, when surveyed, 50% said it is wrong, wrong to share one's personal belief with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share that same faith. Fifty percent of the people in my generation do believe that it is not just bad, it's wrong. If the gospel is true that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father to connection with God to eternity except through Him How could it be wrong to try to bring people to truth unless you don't believe in your core that it is actually true? Unless you actually are a mean person and you want them to be separated from God for eternity to go to hell. I have to believe that they believe that there are other ways to heaven and they've ignored truth and they refuse to share the gospel. I have to believe That they only think Jesus is nice. I have to believe that they don't believe that sin is real or that it's so bad, or maybe it's not really sin, it's more just like a point system. This isn't good news. It's just news. It's a false gospel and we won't even share it. Relentless pursuit of one more. That's one of our codes because we will not be part of that statistic. We're going to go after people and share with them the love of Jesus Christ, and we'll never stop because the gospel sticks to us. We can't get away from it. And yet, Christians, these are Christians, are straying. Listen, Jesus never stopped coming after me. It won't stop. He never did. And he paid too high a price for there to be other ways to heaven. The results of all of this, the results of all of this is this image that's going to come up. What is this image? This image is, uh, you can read it for yourself and, and uh, you can find it on Christianity Today, but what's going on here is, it's a survey that's gone on to define what religion Americans have rated themselves. And 2019 was a year where they put it out. And for statisticians, that was a big deal. But what you'll notice is the line that gobs and just peeks over, is now on the very top. And what that religion is, it's not Christianity, it's no religion. The nuns, N-O-N-E-S, no religion. And for the first time ever since this survey, and probably as long as America has been around, no religion is now the dominant, largest group of people in the United States. why has this happened? Why? Because the gospel isn't sticky anymore. There's other things too. There's dynamics and shifts and changes, and people who called themselves Christians just feel like they can say that, well, actually, I'm not a Christian now, and those dynamics are important. But this trend isn't going away. That number is only going to go up, 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 as now there are second generation non-Christians, no religion, no nothing, third generation, fourth generation, people who have been raised never in church, not even once. And here's the real reason this is true. This is the third reason. The third reason the gospel isn't sticky anymore is that we are no longer daily shaped by the gospel. We are no longer daily being shaped by the good news of what Jesus Christ did for us and that's why we're going to have to break it back down. Well, how do I know this? Well, I know this because the gospel, there's people who have never even heard it or don't care that it's growing every day, but I also see it because we've adopted false gospels. We've put on these different things, called them religions. We've created these places where we And classify who belongs and who doesn't by what they wear and whether we think that's appropriate or how they act or what they look like. It's a religion of a different kind and it's got a nice Christian coat on because we forgot that we're all equal in the eyes of God. We've forgotten who Jesus would have come to. He would have come to in our world, in our time, to the broken and to the downtrodden, to the oppressed, to the ones on the outside. He wouldn't care who He was seen with, and yet we care who we're seen with. We don't want, and this is a big one, we don't want to be offended by the teachings of God's Word anymore. We don't want to be offended. Not anymore. We really don't. If we are offended, something is wrong. Something isn't right. The gospel is offensive. Do you know that? Man, I talk about how God loves me, but it's offensive because it says you have to stop doing what you want and saying that you are your own God, and you get to define what truth is. And if you don't like it, you don't feel it, whatever, back off. No, it says none of that matters. The truth is without a Savior, you are nothing, and without your God, you have no purpose. That's offensive that we don't get to define our own reality. It breaks down all the ways we found control of feeling safe around our reality. It, it, it breaks down the boxes. It humbles us every single day. See, we think more like the world than we do like God. It is our default. It's true. We look more like the world than we do like God. See, the gospel wasn't this one-time performance, this one-time moment where the heavens opened and everyone rejoiced because you were saved. Did that happen? Yes. But it's this daily rehearsal every single day until eternity of what we have. It's a a moment-by-moment reminder that, oh my gosh, I am nothing without the gospel. We're doing this series because some have asked us to stick to the gospel. All right. Let's do it. Let's stick to the gospel. Let's make it sticky. The gospel is about transforming every single part of your heart and mind, about transforming the very way that you think and everything that you do. It's taking the old and making it new. It's a continual process, and it is offensive, and it is humbling, and it hurts. And when you look at the gospel deeply, you will walk away humbled because we have done nothing to deserve the gift of God. So by all means, for the sake of God, let's stick to the gospel. But I'm going to let you know, if you want to stick to the gospel, truly you're going to have to start wrestling with it and striving with it. We're going to have to wrestle with the fact that because of the gospel, one one truth is because of the gospel, you're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of God. That means you can never stop fighting against the sins in your life. You can never give up on them because God has called you to more. That sin that you've been struggling with for years, that is, well, not as bad as theirs. I like to point out their sin, mine I don't want to deal with. Or I'm so ashamed that I haven't overcome this sin. I've just given up. You see, you don't get to with the gospel. The gospel says, no, you have victory. You can overcome. God is with you. Move through it. See, we got to be a lot more like Jacob. He wrestled with God and wouldn't let go until he was blessed and he walked with a limp. We have to strive with the gospel like Jacob wrestled with God to transform every part of our heart. Man, we should all walk with limps from wrestling with the Holy Spirit. People can tell when I've done heavy lifting and CrossFit because I walk like this, right? <laughs> we should be doing the hard work and walking funny. Because we have been wrestling with God. He is rewriting every single way we make sense of the world. Through this free gift for knowing God. We should not be hiding. We should be asking God, offend my mind so that I can know you more. The gospel should be like that gum you step on. Have you ever had that happen where you walk too long with it and you can't find a stick or whatever and you pull up your shoe and you're sitting here and you realize that now that gum has worked itself into every single groove and everything in there and it's like adhered and you can't dig it out anymore. You just give up and you say, you know what, (laughs) I'm done. This is part of my shoe now. That's how the gospel should be. It should work into every groove and nook and cranny of your life, the public, the private, the social, the sex life, the hobbies, the vacations, our money, our work. It should be constantly on our minds. The reality that what you have been saved from and for and to and all the things we're going to talk about, it should be every single moment of your life. But instead of building our whole life On the gospel, we are tempted to build a facade of the gospel, a part of it, or maybe a building we go to once a week. We have false gospels, things that aren't true, things that look like good news but aren't. So then my third question for you, and this is a hard one, how might have you adopted a false good news? A false good news, not not something that's good but wrong. What do I mean? Well, I believe that we all have facades of the gospel, myself included, that we have to learn and grow. One of the facades of the gospel is that Jesus means no suffering, no striving. Once you get over that initial hump, your life doesn't have to be hard anymore. It's about arriving at a certain place. I now get to go to heaven. I'm just going to wait it out. That the gospel only applies to our personal one-on-one relationship with God and not the transformation of every part of me and every part of the world around me. We're quick to point out what isn't a part of the gospel. (laughs) But when the gospel of Jesus is in all and affecting all and is influencing all, and one day the gospel will be all, will be everything, I find that hard to believe, and in fact, if Jesus Christ, who is the gospel incarnate, he, if He isn't your everything, you have nothing. If you aren't asking what the good news of Jesus Christ has to say about everything, you've missed it. And I'm striving to never miss it. Well, i need to breathe. to breathe. that was heavy. That's hard. That's difficult. But you can see why I do agree sticking to the gospel is so important right now so what are we going to do about all this you just you laid something out well I'm not going to answer it all today we're going to answer it over this whole series but the first part is what we have been saved from I want to close with this close with what we've been saved from See, there's bad news. If there's good news, there's bad news. The bad news is we will pay the consequence of sin. I'm going to define what sin is in a moment because it's a very churchy word, but there's a consequence to those actions. Sin is breaking the moral conduct. Um, It's whenever we act outside of God's will. It's something that we do wrong, and there are consequences for sin, very real consequences, physical, spiritual, mental consequences when we do wrong. There are things that happen to other people and ourselves when we do wrong. It's like, I like to explain it this way. When you have a hammer on or a nail on the wall, you use a hammer, right? That's what you use. You use a hammer for a nail. But if you use like a spoon, especially one of those little ornate travel spoons, and you try to hammer in the nail, what's going to happen to the spoon? Well, it's going to bend, it's going to chip, it's going to break, it's going to tarnish. And sin is when we act outside of the way we were designed, and so we break ourselves on sin. But it's more than that. There's also a payment that must be made to rectify the infraction, a cost. So, sin definition is this. Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, nature. Gosh, it's everything. And sin is something that is true about each one of us because we'll see in a moment we chose our own way. But Romans 3, back to that chapter, I encourage you to read this week, says it this way. In verse 10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And because of that, their throats are open graves. It's very visual. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And if this good news is supposed to be good, we got to know what the bad news is. And the bad news is we've all hurt ourselves on the law of God. And we all are by nature sinful. You know, when we tell stories in church, we often see ourselves as Esther who stood up for the faith, not Haman, who oppressed and hurt others. We're always Stephen, who cared for the widows, not Ananias and Sapphira, who lied about their support of the early church. We are always the victor, not the oppressor in our stories. We like to focus on how good we are, and we forget from what we've been saved from. There's balance, but for right now, we need to focus. We're always the Apostle John, who Jesus loved, Not Judas, who let power and greed and fear fill his heart, who betrayed Jesus. We are more like the Roman soldier who pierced Jesus' side to make sure that he was dead than we are Jesus' mother who wept at his feet. That's the bad news. We started talking about Revelations, very end, and I want to return a little bit, but we talked in Revelations about returning to our first love, and I want to bookend this by going to Genesis, going from the end to the very beginning. You see, the gospel was a plan from the beginning. It is laced through every story in the Word of God, and there was a time before sin when, like God, we were perfect. When everything was right and good and a choice was given, continue to choose perfection the way you were intended, Adam and Eve, to live or choose destruction. And Satan tempted Adam and Eve, Satan, (laughs) and they chose his way. They chose sin and they were damned. There was a cost that had to be paid. They broke themselves on it. They now were going to die and all of these terrible things and they were pushed out from the presence of God. They couldn't make it right anymore and God came down and he spoke to them about this and in this moment where Adam and Eve and Satan are there, God shows up and he lays out the bad news and then he says this in Genesis 3.15 and I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and hers, he's talking to Satan, the, the snake, and then he says, he, the offspring of the woman, will crush your head, kill a snake, and you will strike his heel. Of all the things that God could have said in this very moment, this is so important. See, it is the proto-euangelia, the first gospel, the first good news. Let that sink in a moment. What are you talking about? It says, you will, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's referring to when Jesus Christ defeated Satan and death forever. When he was on the cross, the snake had struck his heel. And what looked like death ended up being Victory. The seed, the offspring, see, the bad news came and then the good news came right after it. It's the first good news. As soon as we messed up, God predicted the Messiah. As soon as bad news was delivered, He spoke the gospel, the first good news. See, sticking to the gospel is remembering first what we have been saved from. We are no longer a slave to sin. We aren't going to die. We aren't going to stay dead. We're going to be with God. We don't have to pay for our own sins, which we can't do, but we get to, to rely on Christ. We are saved from damnation and brokenness and sin that gets passed on from generation to generation. And sticking to the gospel is remembering what we've been saved from because how can we have any arrogance in us when we remember what we have been saved from? How can our unity, how could our unity as a church be even better if we stick to just this one little aspect of the gospel? Meaning, since we all acknowledge our humility before God, how much better would our interactions be if we just remember just the from? And like I said, we've got a lot to cover. How can we grow? How can we see that number of no religions change? So what are we going to do about it as we finish here? What are we going to do about it? Well, we are going to re-explore the gospel. And today was all about from bad news. Next week, it's two good news. And then it's four good works to spread evangeliz- evangelism and to do justice and to love mercy and to celebrate. And here's the beautiful thing. I'm going to be challenging you through this to go on a church-wide series. All of our small groups, you'll get training for it. All of the people in our church, we want you to come and join us to one part of the life journey, the first part of the life journey, and it is called Explore. Why is this so important? Because Explore is made for those who don't know Jesus Christ, to have them be able to have the conversations to learn how, how to accept Him. And why I want every single person in the church to be part of it is because the life journey is amazing. Two, I think there's going to be people in this church who are going to rediscover Jesus and encounter him for the first time. But mostly because that number, no religion, no religion is the highest number. Meaning, if we want to reach the most people for the gospel, we go after them. And I want us as a church to know how to do that and explore is going to teach you how to do that as you learn to have conversations with others. I want every single small group to go through this. We're going to, you'll hear more information about it. But we also need to celebrate. On August 30th, we're going to get together outside at the pavilion and we're going to do some baptisms. We're gonna have a new life weekend. We're gonna share testimonies and celebrate and we're gonna do it all in the way that's appropriate and we're gonna have an FM transmitter so if someone wants to stay in their car, they could. And we're gonna have chlorine in the water and all the things that we need to do. But we are going to get together and celebrate because if we really wanna stick to the gospel, we have to be driven by the new life that is found by the gospel. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see you. I wanna see you so bad. It's crazy. Like, I wanna be there. We're gonna do it in a good way. I invite you to come. If we do this, we'll see a revitalization of our church. We'll take new ground and help people encounter Jesus. And as you re-engage the gospel and it shapes you, you will encounter Jesus again and again every day as you encounter the gospel again every every single day. And we have to be relentless in our pursuit of people, of one more. we got to have that heart like Jesus who's just fighting for one more. Application, how are we going to do this? I want to call you to a couple steps on how to make it sticky again. First, I want you to get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, we want you to get baptized to celebrate this new life you have found, to sign up today to get baptized. Two, I want you to engage in confession. Helps remember that God has continually saved us from sin, so if we confess to other people, it keeps us in this place of humility and allows us all to be humble, realizing we are all sinners except Except for Jesus. Third, that explore course in your small groups. Decide today that you're going to join in in the fall or sign up for the new life, the life journey and this course. And finally, I want you to give. I want you to give to this relentless pursuit of one more. I want you to invest in it. I want you to put time and energy into shaping yourself but also time and energy and money into shaping this church because we will always make the name of jesus christ the greatest thing we will always make sure everyone knows it's their responsibility as well as ours to spread the name of jesus christ and he is the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except by him and we will beg and we will bleed and we will strive to see people experience this hope that I want you to choose to do one of these things. Maybe all of them. And maybe what you need to choose right now is to accept that someone died for you. That they're the only way to experience God. And so I'd like to invite you to do that. You can pray with me. What I'm going to do is lead you through a prayer and then I'm going to ask you to let us know that you did this so that we can walk on that journey with you. We are seeing people accept Christ, and that's what I want you to do. In this prayer, you're going to admit your need, what you've been saved from, and then you're going to accept that Jesus, he died for you. He took on the iniquity of every single one, even you, so that you could be free. So Close your eyes. Bow your head. Realize that God is with you in this moment. And pray with me. Father, God, I recognize that I need someone to rescue me. And I believe that Jesus is the rescuer, that He died once for all. And today I choose Him. I choose to follow Him. I choose to give everything up that I can find this hope. I will get baptized. I will walk this journey. And I will let the gospel stick in my life.